Wow. Welcome back. You're listening to another episode of the exciting, the stimulating, the riveting podcast known as Amateur Hour. It's a professional sports podcast by people who have never played professional sports. I'm your host, Max, along with Shreyas. And let's talk about sports. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to episode 67. 67. Hoo-ha. 67. That's a lot. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think of some 67 references. I can't think of any. No, I can't. You get this high and then you're like, all right. It's like birthdays, you know? We get to this point and we're like, eh. Yeah. You can get me something <laughs> if you want. Yeah. I don't yeah. really. If you want to get me cash or like a kitchen appliance, maybe some socks, I'll take it. But don't don't go out of your way to make something special. You know what I mean? Max, do you care about birthday gifts? Nope. No? Nope. Don't care about birthdays. Don't care about birthday gifts. I mean, like, you know, my parents always get me a little something. I always yeah. really appreciate it. You, you know what I mean? Like, but but I'm not, you know, if, what, what they get me is what they get me. Right. I'm usually fine with, like, if people, if people wish me a happy birthday that I know and, like, like you know, yeah. part of my group and know and love and stuff. Then, yeah. then that, that that's usually good for me. If I get something on top of it, like that I didn't expect, yeah, that's a little better than like throughout the year being like, oh, I really want this, and like trying to put, you know, how people like plant seeds in other people's minds of like, oh man, if yeah. I only had that, if I only I had really this. want this collection of Pokemon cards, I yeah, really want it, <laughs> and then and then someone gets it for you, and then. Don't, don't you always end up feeling like, i feel like the person always in the feeling like oh wow you got that thanks like i needed that like five, 12 months ago <laughs> yeah yeah and it's always it's like you know what you want when it's not your birthday you know like weird little knickknacks and stuff you're like oh i could use that you know stuff that you wouldn't spend your money on yeah. then it comes to birthday time and you're like i i i i don't know i don't uh, i don't for want sure. anything for sure the best gifts are like when you're just like doing something you're not trying to like point out that you don't have something and then you're like oh shoot i actually needed that thank you like you thought even in your mind that like you had ever said i needed said i don't know broom yeah <laughs> you know? and it's up to those who love you to pay attention so if you're anybody's loved one just listen to them okay <laughs> and that's our advice <laughs> all right so we're gonna get into um some more finals action i mean it uh, yeah, there's a lot to talk about there. It's it's a it's a whole bag within itself. But we have mm -hmm. some highs, we have some lows, and Shreya, I think you're gonna get this thing rolling this week with the weekly highs. The weekly highs. Yeah, Max. So let's start with my personal high. Uh, out of nowhere, um, you know, I was just checking the mail, and there was this envelope that I was like, oh, this is kind of seems important i know i kind of know sometimes because especially with spam mail max i feel mm. like they've started to make it look like it's really important like because they don't put anything on the envelope they don't tell you who it's from and then you open it up and it's like you're pre-qualified yeah you're pre-qualified for capital one card or like oh wow you could get geico insurance or something i don't like you could have you're gonna save me the hassle of opening this up. Like, so I'm obviously just throwing this away. You thought yeah. you thought once I opened you up that I was gonna be like, "Wow, what a surprise! I can get Geico insurance now." I'm definitely gonna keep this. Like, no, I'm not gonna. Yeah, do that. yeah. So I was like, okay, like there's like fifty fifty chance. Like this could be important. This could be not. I open it up and it was the the government, the state government, and they had sent like I guess they had finally sent um one of the like COVID checks. For like, if you like, based, you know how like they said they were supposed to send, um, a check. But I think it's based on how you do your taxes last year and stuff. They like send you a check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I was like, I was, I kind of wasn't expecting it. I was like, because I had not gotten, um, I mean, like any other like when I was like unemployment, I never got qualified for that. So then I just like so like you anytime, just, yeah. anytime the government was like. <laughs> was like well within their means to maybe you know toss me a couple bucks here and there you uh, were not getting it i was just not getting it right so when i got this uh i was like oh 
Interesting. Oh, wow, oh, a really late stimmy. Yeah. Yeah, some extra some extra pocket change. Yeah, I appreciate it. So, uh it felt good to be like an out of the blue that was like an out of the blue gift like i just did not expect it and yeah of course the government was like listening some... the government knows what you want yeah <laughs> i mean it's yeah <laughs> i mean i would have liked you to... know shrey could really use a little extra cash right now let's uh <laughs> yeah. send something his way <laughs> exactly thanks joe byron <laughs> <laughs> take me out to dinner <laughs> <laughs> bing pong uh we're like two months too late on that meme it was popular yeah. for a while though that's fair that's um fair. That's um, great. That's really that's nice, dude. That's like better than finding cash in your like jeans. Yeah. Oh. Mm. Uh, yeah. Unexpected I stimmy. Mean, yeah, 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 yeah. But the the cash in your jeans are like like if it's like a bill, like that's like immediate. And I was like, because I had to cash this in, and it took me a couple days to like get my ass off the couch and go to the bank and stuff. And, and right, right, right. Oh yeah, yeah. But like, I could be like, whoa, immediate cash flow zero dollars to ten dollars like really quickly if i found some cash just in my jeans and stuff that's true <laughs> i could be like oh actually that might but nobody me- uses cash anymore i don't use cash i don't use cash <laughs> i mean i yeah. do but not I, as much i i'm trying to think of the times i would actually use cash versus like i feel like if i am like it would it would it wouldn't be a business transaction any business transaction i'm not taking out cash it would be more like I don't want to take the time to like put a Venmo in. So here's gas I, money. Yeah. 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 So, but I have this 10, $15 bill. I'll just, you know, slide it to you. It's like more of a mutual friend thing or a family thing where it's just the hassle of, it's funny saying Venmo is a hassle, but <laughs> even though, cause it's like, if it's Trey's like, giving you cash, you're in his circle basically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <For> sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to flip this on its head and I'm going to get real negative here. Um, I'm Wait, going Max, to let me, go- uh, let me do oh. my sports high. Oh yeah. never mind. I skipped that. Never mind. Go back. Oh, good. Oh, good. I'll be quick. Um, so Max, yeah. Uh, now moving on to my sports high. I've been reading a lot of, you know, things coming out of the Patriots and uh, especially during voluntary practices and voluntary workouts. And uh, I know OTAs is started or is starting. And uh, there's been a lot of talk about the progress, the early, the early report on Mac Jones and that uh, he's really, you know, come in with a new sense of like leadership and, that he's really taking command of the offense and, you know, people are kind of, he's galvanizing his, his, uh, his wide receiver core, his offense, the team kind of underneath his wing and that he's really, he's really, really uh, playing some good ball early on in the spring. And um, it, it, that bodes really well because considering what we've talked about in the past about the Patriots max uh, of late, which has been a has been a while since you know football has ended, but mm, the things yeah. that we've talked about were we're really you know nervous about this team considering the reins are being passed down or there's more uh, opinions now from people that we don't really trust in the sphere of the NFL and that's Joe Judge and Matt Patricia and that's who Bill Belichick has has started to give more leeway um, with this offense. And both of them are not offensive guys. They, frankly, they suck at offense. So yeah, it was yeah. it was tough to see that. So if one way to combat that, right, is Mac Jones really taking into his own in his second year as kind of that offensive mind, if he can start, you know, kind of overpowering a little bit, you know what I mean? Like, actually, like he's not just kind of like soaking everything in from Joe Judge and Pat Patricia. Right then it bodes well. Like that's something that like I would trust Mac Jones. Honestly, at this point I would trust Mac Jones by himself with no coach. Then Matt Jones listening to those two idiots. Like I, are I we in that. a Brooklyn situation? Like is Mac Jones, the next player coach and Bill Belichick's thrilled. Cause he's like, no, I don't really have to pay this guy any more than what I'm paying. Him, I like this. For some reason he likes, he likes Detroit lions, Matt Patricia. And he likes, New York Giants Joe Judge I don't know yeah 
So it gives me kind of a vote of confidence now that uh, you know once we get through the spring and then into the the heat of the summer and then into the preseason that uh, we can kind of trust Mac Jones a little more and make sure that he's making the right decisions and it's not just going to be you know all the calls made by you know whichever two get whichever one of those two becomes the offensive quarter we don't know that yet so um right. hopefully we get a little more independence this year for mac jones because that would really help this team I, but does he have enough experience to be independent i mean he played that's know, the question like, yeah i mean i get it he's played football for a long time but i i hey maybe he could be the next great mind tom brady too you know we always said it well, yeah, it's one thing to not like because you can't expect too much from your second year quarterback, but it, it feels like they've been put in, they put themselves in a position where they kind of have to because I don't really trust who's teaching him or because what we've been hearing, I guess, from the uh, early part of the year is that Mac Jones and the and, and the receivers are teaching Joe Judge and Matt Patricia the offense. So. You know what I mean? No, like, this is sir. This is where we actually run. This is where we go. <laughs> like okay? legit, like legit, Max. Like that's. I feel like those are the conversations that are going to be happening throughout the spring, throughout this offseason. And if we can, if we can be frustrated at Cam Newton, right after like, uh, you know, a, a year close to right. So part most of the season plus. So that first like COVID season plus the off season into, um last year if we can say hey that was a lot of time like that's like or like you know what i mean you had enough time to to learn the playbook and stuff and understand these calls then what are we like with data like the coaches don't have nearly enough that time right going into the season it feels like cam newton's last season uh i mean cam newton's first season where he didn't have enough time to to learn that playbook so are we going to trust that going into a season that really matters in terms of Mac Jones's development? It feels like Mac Jones is going to have to be in charge of his own development right now, at least. So, you know, seeing him make any progress is, is, is better than, you know, people coming in and saying, you know, his, his balls being thrown a little bit off. The mechanics are, you know, this and that. And he just feels a little bit timid at the line and things like, like I would hate to hear that. Cause that's just, you're gonna get you're gonna get screwed, right? Instead, it's okay. This young buck is taking charge, and he's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's a it's lot just better. a little bit better. I'm not expecting too much, but it's just a little bit better. And it's the spring; you can't expect too much, but it's it's a little bit better. No, but that's but be- that's way better to hear. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I like that better. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I'm gonna now I'm I'm gonna flip this on its head, and I'm gonna turn it around, and I'm gonna make it negative. Uh, we got the lows. <laughs> The Lowe's. Lowe's not Home Depot, people. Uh, so for my personal weekly low, um, um, if you're watching any of these videos, I'm ugly. I'm hideous. I have a big zit in the middle of my face that I picked at and I only made it worse. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I look I like Boyle from Fairly Odd Parents. <laughs> oh, Bob, Bob the Boyle? Quiet, you fool. Yeah, the one, the kid. <laughs> it talks to him too. It's the best. <laughs> the kid with the sentient boil, just off like it's like an extension of his cheek chin. Yeah, that's me. Uh, it's nice and big and red, and it hurts. So I did it to myself. It's I have no one to blame but me. So it's a lesson in self responsibility, kids. Uh, <laughs> for my sports low, and this is, I mean, this is juicy, and this is this is juicy and weird. And when I was watching the Celtics game the other night. Mm. Um, I saw they flashed over to Dell in TD Garden, and I was like, "Oh, oh okay, yeah." Uh-huh. <laughs> and Dell was with a woman who was not his wife, and I thought to myself, "I'm like, what?" And then all of a sudden, I start seeing these videos pop up, and apparently, Steph Curry and Seth Curry's parents, Dell and Sonia, uh, are doing a wife swap in well, real yeah. life. Well, yeah. Well, they they had a pretty public divorce. What was it last year or two years ago? After they, I think they were married for close to thirty years. Long time, long yeah. time. But the 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 people that they are now seeing yeah, used to be married to that's each crazy. other. <laughs> so yeah, Sonia is seeing uh, the husband, which uh, what's his name? Uh, 
I don't, yeah, I don't even know their name. I just remember seeing all over Twitter. Mike uh, Wright? The, no, no. It's the else. two people that they were with. And then a separate photo. I think it was like their we- the wedding photo. Their wedding photo, yeah. Of the two individuals that they were with together. And I was like, what? And how? And like, I just kind of like, I'm. I just want to know the story. Like, what? Like, how do they meet? How do you get either of them? Like, how do you like? Uh, wow. Yeah, I was just like, I, this is pretty crazy. It's it's juicy. I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting patiently, eagerly by the phone for more details. <laughs> but just to have, and again, like now, imagine family reunions. If you're Steph and Seth, like you're just like, oh, okay. We got dad's weird new girlfriend and we got wife. We got new dad, you know, with uh, with mom. And it's just it's just a weird thing. And you got Doc Rivers. Just, and imagine, do they just talk shit to, to or do they just talk crap to each other about like each other? Oh, yeah. Yeah. How does that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, there's my, gotta husband, be, there's, my husband did this. Well, my wife did this. Yeah, exactly. Because, <laughs> you know, there's some level of petty in there. You know, when Dell and. um Blondie are getting down. She's like, "Oh well, at least you do this because um, Bodrick never did this." <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, I, yeah. At least you uh, take care of my toes because Yo, never did that." <laughs> Yo, you know what I mean? Something Yo, what? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, something like that. Something like that. I don't know. Anyway, so take yeah. care of your take care of your man's toes. <laughs> Wow! So, wow. Yeah. A couple PSAs in here that a very, couple PSAs. Take care very... of yourself and take care of your man's toes. That's <laughs> anyway. All right. So those are the lows. Uh, that's the drama. That's juicy. So we've got. Let's. We're gonna dive in. Dive right in. Get our swimsuits on. Get mm. our goggles on. Mm. Uh, we're gonna dive into the pool that is game <laughs> two <laughs> through. How <laughs> oh, swim? <laughs> uh, we're gonna dive into the pool that is game two through game four. Uh, the pool party, the Jordan pool party at one point. Um, Shrey, where do you want to start? You want to start with game two? Yeah, I want to start with game two because uh, this is this has been a a, ro- a roller coaster of a series, Max. Uh, it's yeah, back and forth and up and down. Yeah, and it's just been like it's just been one of those series where you f- you feel confident for the team that wins at the time they win. But once they lose, you feel like, man, it's over for them. You know what I mean? Like, it feels like one of those series. And that's kind of it's a little bit of the mark of a good series is that um, it's not just like, oh, okay, a team wins or loses. But in every game, you feel like one of the teams fared better than the other and will probably end up being inevitably the winner. Like, sometimes you get a series where, like, even in, like, the one loss or the two losses, you feel like one team was still better than the other and it just happened that the other team kind of clutched it out. This doesn't seem like one of those series. It just seems like, you know, both teams are making a lot of mistakes. Both teams are having stretches where they shoot really well. Both teams have stretches where they shoot horrendously. Horrendously. So you just, I just can't kind of get a, a radar like this is i can't get it on any part of the series like i really don't know what's happening max i don't know if you have any yeah i i would i would agree with that for the most part except for game four game four to me the celtics played better as a team but steph curry just went absolutely like ballistic i mean that guy some of the shots that he made i'm like your window to shoot the shot to get it in the air is a half a second now you got it up and on target accurately uh it, it, it's just it's just been a back and forth and i agree there's definitely stretches where i'm like holy crap this is some of the sloppiest worst basketball i've ever seen and then yeah there's stretches where i'm like oh my god are they gonna stop making threes because it'll go you know brown then uh you know then pool then back to tatum then over to curry then back mm-hmm. to you know clay or you know back to marcus smart and then clay will make you know they'll go five four five six threes just bang 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 in a mm-hmm. row that's impressive to watch uh and then you got you know a little bit of agitation with mr draymond green who we mentioned in last episode uh 
weird again knowing his comments and knowing where he's at mentally and then seeing him on stage try to just bully people i guess those were what his comments uh accumulated into uh was just him just pushing grant williams and almost getting ejected in game two yeah and you could tell that once he got that first technical that wasn't really gonna happen but because you know you gotta you, you keep that guy in the game if you're the league, if this is a regular season game, he's out, right? And he's gotten ejected once. Uh, I think he got two technicals in the in the Memphis series and got ejected. And yeah, well, he's been suspended from the finals before, so you know. It's... Yeah, yeah, and but do you remember how egregious that act was? So I feel like if they can kind of rationalize themselves, like refs in the league, to to not have Draymond out of the game you know what I mean depending on the act then they'll they'll take that opportunity to do that because they don't want you know one of the key guys in the series to to be to be out of the game when I talk Max about what's the Celtics have been struggling over the past couple games uh even in the win in game three the loss in uh and the uh loss in game two and then it didn't actually happen in game four but there's something about that third quarter second half uh. um, that <laughs> is just it is just so it's just running rampant throughout this team it's that this team was a was a good three a third quarter team during the regular season like you have I'm really literally no afraid of the third quarter now yeah yeah and it seems yep. like every time they come out and you know, you just come out of the half. They just seem so like there's no urgency. It seems like the other team is always getting out to a quick run, and the Celtics are always trying to fight back. And, and so they're like, "Oh no! Oh, they're still here. They're still playing." Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's. I agree. A sense of it's lack of urgency, I think, is a great way to put it because yeah, they're kind of waltzing through the third quarter, acting like the game is theirs. Whether they're up, whether they're down, they're just kind of like, "Uh." And we saw game two. Yeah, it was an onslaught. It was an onslaught from them, and that's just when they yeah. blew it wide open. Blew it wide open. They got it up to 30 points at one point, and there's just nothing that the Celtics can do. Yeah, and the turnovers. The turnovers really happen a lot Oh, yeah. at key points during the series, right? So when we talk about game two, full of turnovers, right? Especially, um, it felt it felt like I think it was Horford. 18 turnover game, yeah. Yeah, it felt like Horford, Smart, White, we're really uh, turning the ball over at a high rate, and it just you just couldn't come back from that type of game. When we talk about game three, right, the turnovers were there, but it felt like we were hitting big shots that could combat that. And when we talk about that uh, that fourth quarter, I think Smart had eight points, Brown had eight points. And Tatum had eight points in that fourth quarter, right? So when you have really big fourth quarters from your, from your basically your three best players, then regardless of any turnovers that happen at the beginning part of the game, that's like that last big run that you really need to solidify a win. And that's what happened once the game was close. You had a big run, and they and they won that game. Yeah. When we talk about game four, Max. Well, well, actually, before just on the yeah. turnovers too, and this mm. is something that I found. Uh, Jason Tatum is about to tie LeBron. It's not for a record, but you know he's about to have. Jason Tatum is ninety-one turnovers in this playoff series so far. Ninety-one turnovers the whole playoff run. Yeah. Ninety-one though. Could you imagine? Oh my god! <laughs> like, no, no, no. no like, sorry, what? sorry. Not the finals run, through the playoff run. So ninety. So my point still stands. Is ninety-one? He is yeah. four away from tying LeBron in twenty eighteen. Uh, and then I think like the most ever in a playoff run is 111, which mm. uh, guaranteed two games left. Say it goes to seven, Tatum could probably get close at the rate that he's playing. And that concerns me too. It's like, okay, you've seen the Warriors. We've been playing a lot of their team. We've been playing their backup star. We've been playing Jordan Poole, a little bit of clay, a little bit of, again, agitation from um, Draymond. But Steph hasn't gone off. I mean, he's dropped, you know, 30 he's dropped you know 35 mm -hmm. but now he drops 44 i mean that and that was a performance where 
I mean, even when he had 20 in that game, it was a heavy 20. And that's, and that's again, when, when we turn the ball over, when we have a lack of momentum, and when we let the Warriors, when we basically beat ourselves, that's really frustrating to watch. Uh, so keep going with what you were saying. Well, to, to kind of – I kind of want to push back on that a little bit is that I feel like Tatum's turnover rate was a little bit higher through the first three series. And specifically in this series, I felt like overall, yeah, he's had some key, you know, key turnovers, but he hasn't been a turnover machine like he was, say, in the Milwaukee series or – um the Miami series where basically every time he drove through the middle, he got stripped this series, you know, I think he's had like, like he's had uh, like, I think that first game he had, he didn't shoot well, right. He had 13 assists and he had only two turnovers, right? Like he's in which, had, in which game in game one, in game one, the one we yeah, won yeah, in, yeah. In, in San Francisco. So, He's had like, you know, one or two turnovers a game. And that's something that you can really handle as a team. You shouldn't be able, you shouldn't lose because your best player are two turnovers. So I'm not really focused on his turnovers more than Brown, Smart, White. Those are guys that it feels like when they turn the ball over, it's at a crucial point in the game. Smart, especially. Yeah. Smart. Like White, too. Like White has had some turnovers. And I feel like, you know, overall, Dude, don't hate on Buffalo. Well, well, well. What? Let, <laughs> let me finish my sentence. Yeah, yeah. What I what I feel like overall, he's your best ball handler. When I talk, when I think of driving and keeping the ball, he might be your best ball handler, and that kind of that's kind of a a scary thought because this team doesn't really have a true ball handler. It doesn't have a team. Doesn't have a a, a player that you can count on to not get stripped every time he dribbles the ball. You know what I mean? Like he's every time he every time he drives the ball, I feel like Brown's getting stripped. Smart is either he's not really getting stripped, but he's ma- he's not there are times where like I saw I think it was game was it uh, game 3 or I don't know if it was game 3 or last game. He tried to he tried to pass Max where he just drove through the drove through the from the wing and literally tossed the ball behind his head without looking. And it went right to a Golden State player. I oh, thought I thought Kendrick yeah. Perkins was on the floor because that was insane. <laughs> so I was like, um, "There's some of the like like Derek White is probably your best ball handler." And so when he's making mistakes, right? Maybe uh, maybe Pritchard, but Pritchard doesn't get a lot of minutes compared to White or Smart or you know any of the starters. So your primary your primary best ball handler is probably going to be White because he's going to be playing the most minutes. Uh, on ball if he's making mistakes max it's going to be real tough because who are you going to depend on to keep the ball safe well what we failed to do in game two was get the whites and the horfords and the smarts going i mean it was it was you know a a, quite a big punch from jalen brown jason tatum i don't remember what he did but what i noticed about the stat sheet is that like horford wasn't shooting he was he was zero for zero in the first half you know Mm -hmm. and he only had a few rebounds that's not something you want. You need the whole team to do that. Grant Williams was also like 0 for 1. Like you need to get these guys involved. You need to just have them taking their shots. Because again, that's when the Celtics are most effective is when it's the multi-headed Hydra. Where it's okay, we got Jalen Brown that just you know gave us a great stretch and a great run. He's cooling off a bit. Cool. Let's call on our role players. Role players have been delivering and that's huge. I want to read one more stat um, that I saw uh, that I just pulled up again. The Celtics are one in six in the postseason when committing 16 or more turnovers. One in six. When they commit 15 or fewer, they are 13 and two. Wow. So the secret is right there. Yeah. Right? The secret to what they take care of the ball. And you're right. These, these turnovers by our role players and by our stars are coming at key moments. It's like we'll be on a run, mm-hmm. we'll be getting ourselves back in the game. Or, you know, building up a lead that we need to, again, maintain a safe cushion from these guys because they're that good. And then, boom, we just turn the ball over. And yeah. needlessly, too. It's it's like you watch it, you're like, why? If momentum why? was a balloon, every turnover that happens right after a, a, a run just pops it. Right, and you try so, to put it back on the, you know, your little hydrogen machine and it's filling up. But then, yeah. Poof, there's a, yeah. So your teammate comes along and. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like self-sabotage, right? So 
I just when I talk about uh game four, Max, so game three was a was a good comeback when it felt like they had a huge lead in game three and massive, massive way to 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 step up because you know that Golden State getting on in a groove in that end of second, early third. And you just kind of take the ball game over in the fourth, right? So great game. You kept it close and you you won that game. Game four was the, uh, was probably the most frustrating of the game so far because when we look at how Steph basically won that game by himself, right? 43, you knew early that he was on, right? Or especially when he started, he hit a three in the first quarter and he started, he went to the Celtics side, like near the Celtics bench and started like mm, going started crazy, talking. going crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's like, I'm here. Or he, I think he says something along the I'm here and stuff like that. And right near the Celtics bench and, you know, he's talking to the crowd and right. I knew he was on <clears throat> when we talk about, talk about like real help, right? Wiggins was the closest thing to it. Clay was not on. Dude. Clay Clay has been a shell of himself and the key to to guarding Clay at this point in the series is making sure that you don't give him a reload 3 and you don't give him a, an open shot off a screen. If you yeah. make him have to shoot over somebody, he's probably going to miss the shot. Yeah. Right? It's it's per, it's pretty much as simple as that. So, yeah. Yeah. So so it's it's key. It's key how they're they're defending him. They give they've given him some open shots, but overall they've pretty much you know kept him in check. The, so yeah. Steph is Steph is the only one that has been kind of no matter the defense you play on him, no matter you know what you do and and how you play. Like yeah, there have been moments where Al Horford's not stepping up on him and he's hitting an open three off a screen. Or mm, those are bad. Yeah, you know what I mean. But overall, like he's just kind of hitting ridiculous shots here and there. So. Other than that, Wiggins has probably been their second best player, and even then, even then he's not he's not been playing spectacular. I literally said exactly. I was like, I'm going to let Wiggins shoot the three. I'm going to let Wiggins shoot the three because right. he's streaky. He's streaky at best. Right. Yeah. So when when I look at our opportunity, our, the Celtics' opportunity to win that game, they had it. Even though Steph was going for 43, that was a game you could have won. But what was key was the fourth quarter, Max, and I have a stat for that that fourth quarter um, yeah talk from, to me yeah this is from kirk goldsberry and he said the final five minutes of game four oh yeah golden yes. state 17 points boston three points yeah and marcus Smart hit a three with 518 left and uh after that al horford made one basket and scored three of their points down the stretch and that was it that's all that happened so, you, right. So when you when you when you think of the opportunity, yeah, Steph was going off, but when I look at the, some of the shot selection, right? J- Jason Tatum, you know, covered three. Jalen Brown covered threes. Smart. It's just the shot the shot selection. The it just felt like every shot they were taking was wasn't aggressive enough, right? Maybe they were open threes. Are relatively like you know what I mean, like the the defender was a step behind, but there was no there was no aggressiveness to the rim before getting that three right. There was no second chance opportunities. It was a one shot and you're done. One shot right. and you're done. And right. against a team that has been re- pretty good at getting second chance opportunities, especially with Looney on the floor, right? He's been really good at getting rebounds over Horford. He gets Rob Williams out of position a lot, and Rob Williams is jumping for a block one place, and he's coming on the way back down, and Looney's already getting the rebound, and he can kick it out or he can he can put it back up. When you got a team that's doing that, you really have to be as good on the offensive boards on the other side. And you saw that in game three. They were really good at the offensive board, and they came out with a win late because they were getting second chance points. Mm-hmm. that's not something that was happening in the fourth quarter you were getting one shots one it felt like one shot selfishly for that player and then you were done there was no movement there was no uh drive and kick which i feel like has been over the playoff course of this playoff max has been really working tatum drives brown drives kicks it to the corner for smart or horford or grant williams and well, they've just gotten away from it 
Well, right, and we see we see even Draymond talking on his podcast. He's like, "Look, we know that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown can beat us. So yeah, you have to adjust for that. You're not going to give them an open lane. Mm-hmm. Are you going to give them an open lane? Are you going to give these superstars an open lane? No, you're not. So that and that's exactly to my point is you need to get our our bench guys involved. And yeah, a great way to do that is through a drive and kick. It's like w- they create dribble penetration. God forbid that you know that they don't turn it over." Yeah, uh, they drive into the lane or drive into <laughs> double coverage. But then again, you kick, swing, three from somebody. I mean, Derek White is kind of like knock on wood, finding a shot. Grant Williams, we know, can shoot when he's like given the green light or able to. Right. Uh, and then same thing with Pritchard. Pritchard's confident as all heck. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and Marcus Smart, as much as I have not liked him in this series, you know, he, he's making some hustle plays here and there. But to me, with his turnovers, he feels more like a liability. Oh, so I wouldn't go that far. I think Smart in Game Three was really came up big for you. What happens with why I'm frustrated with Smart is he 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 know he knows what works, and he right, just but he doesn't, doesn't go, do it. He doesn't go right. back to it. Right? He understand he he needs to understand that he can literally bully Steph into the paint on every single possession the same way yes. jason tatum can bully like steph has gotten better on defense he's a little pesky but the strength marcus smart has that strength right and you saw him he'll, he'll go down he'll back steph up and he'll put up a little floater or he'll kind of do a little fade and get the easy like you know 10 footer in the paint but he doesn't go to it he if he feels like that shot was to set him up for three the next shot whereas no, the three should only be set up by someone else to you. Like when Tatum kicks out to you because he knows that the defense is collapsing on him, he'll kick out to you in the corner because you're wide open. You can hit wide open threes. Right. But do I want you to hit every, you know. Do I do want I... you to dribble into a step back? No, I don't. I don't. And that also like, yeah, when Marcus Smart is like, okay, it's my time to shine. Like yeah. he's made some crazy shots for like sure. Game- yeah, he has. But game seven is something I always go back to in that fourth quarter when he took – what was the stat I gave him? He, he took – he went one for six. He took your final five shots Yeah. of that fourth quarter against Miami. In game against seven. Miami. And, he, and um, he only made one of them. So I'm always afraid of a stretch like that when he thinks that he's on – where he he really needs to understand. Guys, I've got this. You're like, oh. yeah, you're like he puts tries to put the cape on, but it's just not fitting correctly. It's like, it's yeah, he's, yeah, he's like strangling himself in it. It's like tight around yeah. the neck, but he needs to understand what he does well, and especially against smaller guards, he has the strength advantage. He has the height advantage, right? He's six three, six four, you know, like I don't know, one ninety five, two hundred pounds. He's a big guy, so. He needs to be able to back back smaller point guards down. Ain't no one's gonna no one's gonna double cover smart, right? That's just a bad decision because you're leaving a better shooter open most times out of not. So he's gonna mm. get the one on one with Steph, and he's got to take advantage of that. He's got to drive into him. He's got to get those. He's got to you know face up layups. He's just got to let Steph bounce off of him. So I'm just not seeing enough of that from Smart. That's what I'm really frustrated about the turnovers. Yeah, they they're stupid in the moment, but more than that, it's just his lack of awareness to be aggressive as much as he could. Right? Did he leave it all out there offensively with what his strengths are? Defensively, you know he's leaving it all out there. But offensively, you know that there's just going to be some a little bit let like a, a little bit of a letdown and some certain points and it's just tough to to kind of deal with that because he's it just feels like he's never going to have the perfect game offensively i guess for him not like you know what i mean like 10 for 10 or something like that it's just like for him for him right right well in on, on the bright spot though i do want to give roses to jalen brown uh i think that that man has been playing superb and i know that again he makes some mistakes and he drives in the lane and will lose the ball but i think uh, again the stretches that he's had the shots that he's made the shots that he's created uh and some of the plays i mean in game four right there you can see that layup where he like goes up brings it all the way down scoops it around and manages to just kiss it off the glass it falls right in i mean this guy 
he is an athletic specimen. He is he has been playing out of his mind, and that is somebody who I can say I'm watching him give it a hundred percent. Jalen yeah. Brown is is locked in, and 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 I'm really really impressed with how he's playing. Uh, I just need a little bit more from Tatum, and I need a little bit more. And you know, it's wins, it's losses like this. It's losses like you know. I'm glad that we won Game Three. You know, we responded from Game Two. It was a big, big response too. Uh, I do want to give a little credit to the refs in game two. Uh, I just know that the Celtics started off hot and that whistle just started flying in the first mm-hmm. half, especially. I mean, and, and, and when you see Jalen Brown, literally you go to the action replay and he does not touch Gary Payton, does not literally physically touch him mm-hmm. and they call a foul. That's when I was like, okay, so they're, you know, trying to give a little bit of momentum to Golden State. Um, yeah. That's what I was really talking. I thought it was much better officiated in game three and game four. four. Yeah. I thought um, like officiating was not the issue. It's. Oh, no, no. Celtics beat themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Celtics can, can beat I, themselves. And I want to say something about Jalen Brown is. And, and, and Tatum and Tatum for that matter is. Um, we need to get a game like what Steph had in game four from one of those from, guys. Yes, yes. Right. When you look at. um what was needed in that Milwaukee series, right? You go down three, two Tatum in game six on the road, puts up 46, right? Is one of those, is one of those guys in this series going to come out and just be unstoppable. Like they were in uh, the Miami, like I think Jalen Brown had what? 17 points in the first quarter in game one. Was that? Something like that. He, 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 he had some, yeah. In Golden State, or in one, uh, uh, one of those, one of those games, he had a he had a big stretch, but then it feels like w- what happens with both of them is they get into these good grooves, but then they kind of quiet. One of them quiets down, like when we talk about um, Game Three, right? You won that game, but Jalen Brown was hot to start that game, right? And it felt like even in the win, they weren't using him in the second half as they did in that first quarter. And it feels like Jalen Brown really gets off to these good starts in the first quarter. He has massive runs that get them up in the first quarter. But then the offense doesn't flow through him as the game goes on. Yes, yes. And I that's, yeah. that I have a problem with that because if he's unstoppable in the first quarter, he's probably going to be unstoppable in the second and the third. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And if you could get up into a good lead in the third, Tatum could take over. The same way, if Tatum's doing the same thing through three quarters, someone else can take over in the fourth. So, I I don't like how you don't use someone for the for the for after the first quarter because it's just not enough to to uh, dictate a game. A first quarter run is it can can vanish like that. But Man, if you have the same run, did, yeah. If you have the same run in the third or the fourth quarter, Max, it's it's not like that, right? It's. All we needed to trade was that run in the fourth. We needed somebody mm-hmm. to score. I mean, if we scored three points in five minutes, mm-hmm. you lo- you're looking like a bad AAU team. You know, obviously yeah. different because you're in the NBA, but we know the scoring potential is there. But yeah, it's the shot selection that I'm worried about. And and I agree. It's like for me, it's what I keep seeing, and and I just I'm frustrated that this keeps happening. It's Jalen Brown is on a run. He is in a flow state. And then all of a sudden Tatum will like come back into the game or Tatum will start getting his touches at the worst time. It's like, dude, Jalen Brown is spicy hot right now. Mm-hmm. You need to let him cook. I mean, if he, yeah, he started game four, six points, six points. He hit two threes just off the rip. I mean, yeah. that's huge. And you could see Golden State was like, oh crap. They couldn't get their offense going, but we let them come back into it because we just stopped scoring because the ball wasn't going to Jalen Brown. It was Tatum trying to get into his rhythm. And if he can step back, because he'll get his points. You know what I mean? Like, like especially, too, when the defense doesn't play him so hard. If they're focused solely on Jalen Brown, Tatum is just distributing. That's going to give him room for his shot. Yeah. And Tatum, and I'm a huge fan of Tatum playing off the ball because I think that gets him the better, the best shots. Obviously, he's going to have the ball in his hand majority of the time he's going to make those drives and he's going to try to either kick or make that layup the one thing that's been happening of lately is he's just not making his contested layups as much and they're leading to fast break points on the other end because he falls and he's just not back on defense so when we get him yeah you know what i mean so when we get him those open looks like 
There was a yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got the arms up and he's flailing and he's you know, but oh, he, he practices that, yeah. He he's got the arms up, right, right? Let me let me show you. He's got the arms up, but then he puts them down really quickly like that. He's like, Oh, what? Like come on. Like that, like that. It, it is a pout. Like yeah. it's like it's like a bird's wings soaring and flapping like that. Like <laughs> <laughs> Um, so he still gets caught in that in that in that mind state of, of trying to get the call. Um, instead of trying to make the contested layup sometimes. But when I see him really get out of that funk is when they play him off ball. Like, I remember he was not shooting very well for the first three quarters of game three. And um, they ran a play where Tatum was in the corner and they just ran him. They just ran him off of a pin down, like a simple pin down. I think Grant Williams said it. And he took a mid-range jumper off of the screen it was wide open. He just drilled it. And I was like, I was like, that's, that's how you get someone going. It's like when they're not, when they don't have the ball all the time, they don't have to think about, oh, I'm going to lose the ball right now. Or I got to be careful of it. So when they're having, when they're in that mentality of, I might get, I might turn the ball over, right? If it happens a couple of times or if play more timid. Are, yeah. Right. Or the drives and the contested layups are not flowing. You gotta run him off. You gotta run them off a, a screen. Try to get him an open shot without the ball. That's what the Warriors. Tatum will do. make the shots because Tatum will make the shots. Exactly. Yeah. Tatum knows how to shoot. If it's open, like if anyone's open, especially Tatum, he's gonna make it right. And that's what the Warriors do really well. Is Clay's not getting it? They run him off a screen. He's wide open. Same. I mean, Steph doesn't really need uh, a full <sighs> screen. He can shoot over it. But like they run needs it. this much room. Steph right? needs like an inch, and that guy will drain a three. How many times does Steph run to the corner? Draymond has the ball at the baseline at the cor- in the corner of the court, and he just does a little flip to the corner behind him, and Steph just gets an open three because Draymond's right in front of the defender, right? Because the defender's playing under. How many times does that happen? It's just they get him open shots. They get him going with the screen, and and it feels like the Celtics just don't do that enough play Tatum off ball to get him going regardless of if he's playing if he's shooting well if he's shooting not well just run him off the screen he could have a legendary game if he had more of those shots within the and then get him going into the contested layups get him going you know what I mean get contact get you know the the step back three the side step three those are all flowing he gets maybe 40 45 right there yeah um, I, I like it. I like it. it, especially too, because we've seen lackluster. I mean, what he had a negative thirty six in game two. Mm-hmm. He had he had twenty something points. It was the worst. He had twenty eight points. It was the worst twenty eight points I've ever seen. It just didn't. It was just again so lackluster. It's like where Steph Curry's points feel heavy, and you're like, wow, that's a lot. Tatum's felt the opposite, and I was like, ah. I felt like I I will say though I felt like he was the of the people that tried he was the one that tried the most like yeah it felt like did it really did it really have those points help you in opportune times when you needed them no but I think that was a part of the game script where no one else was working for it so if Tatum makes a shot you're like yeah he ended up with 28 but it just didn't happen at the right times because Brown didn't play well. Smart didn't play well. White didn't play well. Horford was a non-existent. So I'm not really going to go blame him for having like empty 28 points, but they were empty because the team as a whole just was horrendous in game two. When he, and, and, and kind of to, to, to reiterate this point, Max, they got to have one of those two guys, Brown or Tatum, they got to have a Steph, a, a real like Steph Curry like game. Like, I I want to see thirty five plus from one of those guys. In in game five, you're playing in goal. You're playing in San Francisco. With a with a chance to to get a three two lead, you know what I mean. Like this is, this is where this is where you know you really gotta show what you're made of on the road, and this is where they've been good off of a loss on the road, historically during this playoff run. Right, and so yeah, yeah. This yeah. is the this is the perfect spot. It's I know it seems weird to say on the road, like in Golden State, yeah, right, off of a, like yeah. off of a loss. Like you would feel with any other team, you'd be like, oh, like man, they'd be so dejected because now they have to go back on the road. But this is the, the one Celtics team where you're like, were like, this is their bread and butter. Yeah, exactly. That's so crazy. They can't win at home off of a win, but they can win. Like you know what I mean? Like it's insane. So I got to see one of those performances because 
what scares me is game six at home, regardless of the home win or loss. Because at home in game six, game six, Clay, game six, Clay, right? You don't want that. You don't want anyone, one of those guys to really go off. But also, what is the mentality at home versus on the road? Why is there a difference? I want to know, but you're like, we love losing in front of God and fans. <laughs> <laughs> you paid good money to come to these seats, man. Here's a loss. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the F you Draymond chance weren't feeling them enough there. We needed more. We yeah. needed more. <laughs> TD Garden was loud, but it's got to stay loud. Oh, yeah, that's tough. But, um, yeah, that's tough. Well, Shrey, the only thing I'm going to say, I'm going to say this is a positive. The longer yeah. this series goes out, the closer it gets to me being home because I'm coming home this Saturday. Uh, so that means that if we win in like six or seven, I will be there for the parade. And that is my oh, dream. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Because and if we have a parade, all my plans are canceled and I'm, I'm in Boston all day. They, I think they need to win the series in six. It's it, it it's tough. We needed to win the Miami series in six. Yeah, yeah, that. exactly. But we ended up winning. But it's just I, I finals game seven scares the living crap out of me. Oh, against the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. Oh my God, Max! Like that's that's not where you want to be anywhere as a fan. Like obviously that's great theater. That's great television. That's what you dream for is winning a game seven. As but, a fan. Yeah, it's the worst as a fan, dude um insane yeah uh, um yeah 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 it's just it's but but i agree it's been a quite the roller coaster of games two through four games one through four really uh and it's been an exciting series so far there's a lot more basketball to be played and man yeah I, i'm enjoying it i'm again just happy that we're in the finals really i'm just happy that we're in the finals it's great we're playing against a great team one of the greatest uh, but before we head out, Trey just wants to uh, briefly talk about uh, the Boston Bruins. All right, Max. Um, this is a this is this is a frustrating topic for me, Max. And we all know we talked about it when the Bruins season ended in uh, in Carolina, Game Seven. They fought back in that series, and then they uh, they just didn't have enough muster to to win it. So it's been the off season, right? And you know, most of the attention has been placed on what the NBA finals, right? Like that's the big thing going, especially uh, around these here parts in the Northeast, the Celtics are a massive story that they've made it this far and that they're playing relatively well throughout the series and they have a chance. So it was interesting to me when I'm, you know, on my phone, you know, maybe looking up a couple Celtics highlights or, you know, just on scrolling through Twitter, and I get uh, a couple uh, worldwide sports notifications, and there's you know one says, "Oh, uh, defenseman Charlie McAvoy gets surgery; he's out six months," and I'm like, "Wow, okay." Brad Marchand get, and then another one comes in maybe like a day later. Brad Marchand gets surgery; he's out six plus months. I was like, holy crap. I was like, McAvoy and Brad Marchand are out into this next season? No, it's a lot. And then I think also Grizzlick, another defenseman, is out six, five, six months. So you have three key lineup guys, right? And two of them being like your stud players out from surgery in six plus months. That's going to be into next season, a couple months into next season. And then you, you know, you have to see if they're ready for game plan and stuff like that. So I would say six, seven months. It's all coming out during the playoffs, Max. And I was like, this is so interesting. No one really cares. And they're they're disseminating this information during the playoffs. And I was like, it's kind of it's kind of skeevy. Okay. It's kind of classic Bruins. They kind of try to be under the radar. Oh, by the way, our three of our best players are out uh, into next yeah, season. Yeah, right. No big deal, huh? And then Max. To, to put the cherry on top, Max, um, I think it was last Monday, or this past Monday, yeah, this past Monday, uh, like 7 o'clock, I don't know if there was a finals game on Monday, I'm not, I'm not positive, but 
the Bruins fired their head coach, Bruce Cassidy, uh, to some to what feels like over uh, uh, Bruins Twitter and just NHL Twitter and kind of the media perception, media, yeah, just like media response and things of that nature was some resounding boos to that firing. And it felt like... As in like people did not agree with that? Yeah, or... they did not They did not agree with the decision. Um, okay. And in that, they felt like Bruce Cassidy was scapegoated after a season where it felt like they just didn't have enough. Um, and that the 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 front office was making a change because they knew they they were kind of trying to cover their own ass you know <laughs> what i mean and so you have general manager don sweeney and you have president of uh of i don't know if it's president of hockey operations but just president of the burns uh cam Neely, uh kind of coming out in press conferences and talking about how you know it was you know needed for that it was needed for the team and um, uh, you know, he's had, I think Don Sweeney said like, oh, he's had an issue with an assistant coach in the past. And, you know, some people like, uh, Bruce Cassidy's coaching style and Bruce Cassidy, uh, if you've ever seen him, Max, he's very no nonsense in his press conferences. He doesn't, it's not, we like a new England coach. Yeah. He doesn't take any crap. He, it, it feels like whatever he says to the players, he says to the media and he makes it abundantly clear that. This is what needs to happen. He's not beating around the bush or sugarcoating things and things of that nature. It's very refreshing, right? It's sometimes you feel like refreshing to a point that do the players like that he's saying this or, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But from a fan perspective, understanding the team, it's super refreshing that he's honest with how he views the team at any given moment. It feels like this is a, this is an opportunity, right? To, to start fresh, completely obviously firing the coach happens right we know it in all sports max we talk about the lakers was it really frank vogel's like like did frank vogel really matter if he got fired if he didn't get fired in that in that specific season i i would argue it was more no than yes but we've had we've had conversations around that um but we so we know that we know they they get fired they're the first person to get fired when a team is poorly performing but this is but max this is one of those things where i want to ask you too when a team isn't performing right and this is what i feel is uh, happened to the bruins when a team isn't performing when do you kind of change the front office versus changing the coach versus going clean slate like oh. at, at what at what what point in time do you feel like either of those three options are appropriate? Uh, oh, either. Uh, okay, coach. In exactly, I I would say our situation. Like I honestly would have kept Danny Ainge and just fired Brad Stevens. It's like we gave this guy eight years. We gave him eight years to do something. He's brought us to the Eastern Conference Finals. We drafted relatively well in terms of like getting Jason Jalen Time Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just something about this coach and this culture when you watch the games. Like, if you're just, like, not winning as much as you think you should be, that's a coach thing. If you have had several years of disaster and you start making just awful trades and you start losing players and you just have an overall, like, terrible franchise culture, that's when I want to clean slate and get rid of some executives. But that's a lot harder than I think possible. I mean, for the Bruins... I don't know much about it, so I, I can't speak on whether this was the right call or not. But it always seemed like the Bruins were in the playoffs and they were close to winning, mm. uh, you know. And they were there; they were they were there, you know. This they were there this year. They again first round exit last year, weren't they? Like a second round exit, yeah. Um, and they made so, it, and during this run uh, past couple of years. They have made the the Stanley Cup Finals once, and they lost in Game Seven, a heartbreaking Game Seven, and. Uh, against St. Louis at home too, which still kills me. But I remember that, yeah. Um, but Max, you kind of hit hit it on the head when you talk about where does it shift from changing management to the coach, right? Is kind of that player, uh, player personnel, uh, understanding, you know, drafting and making in season moves and off season moves that better your team and 
has the management helped the coach like the coach has helped the players, right? If one of those two, if one of those two is not living up to, there's a how, disconnect. Yeah. If there's a disconnect, then you got to take out the link that is making the most of the disconnect, right? And when we look at this this past Bruins team, it felt like of the from the players that they got and from the players that they had, it felt like they were like this team from the beginning, right? And the way that Bruce Cassidy coaches, yeah, it may rub some young players the wrong way, but it feels like there that is taking precedence over the 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 dumb decisions made in drafts pass and in uh free in in free agencies pass of uh Don Sweeney the GM making uh he had he had Maxi in two in 2015 he had three straight first round picks 13 14 15 okay no, I don't even know how you get that it, yeah, just from draft. trades, just from just he got a he got a couple first round trades, and it just happened that they lined up perfectly. 2015, three straight first round picks. It picks that high. I mean, I don't. I I know the NHL pool. I think is a little bit smaller than it's. It's a little know, bit bigger. Like they they have more rounds than the NBA. Oh, they or, do have more rounds. Yeah. Okay, so they have so they have more to select from. Really, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's just that their prospects talent disperses. Yeah, yeah, and their and their prospects don't like as if you're not like the first overall pick or first or second overall pick, you're not playing right away too. So there's a lot. So more. like a 13, 14 isn't going to make an impact. Well, not right away, but also if after a couple of years you're not getting an impact out of them, like you know, one year in in like junior one here in like you know junior hockey or one year in college and then you come in you should you should be able to make an impact if you're a first round pick first 15 type of pick you should be making uh, an impact like after one or two years if you're not making an impact after one or two years you got to start looking at the pick and being like was that the right choice max they had three straight first round picks i would say they hit on a half one of those picks was jake debrusque one of those picks was Jake DeBrusque, who over the course of his career has had some solid seasons. With his first season or first or second season where he had like 27 goals or something like that. Good season. Um, and then his uh, this past season where he really got hot at the second half of the year. And he was after he had requested the trade and and everything, he really played well. They gave him the new contract thinking that maybe they trade him in the offseason. And he played really well after that. Um the other two picks, Max, were I were the biggest bust that I've ever seen, and everyone and I, there was literally players afterwards, Max, that are like all star level. Um, it, it it's literally like us picking Kelly Olynyk and everyone getting Giannis afterwards. Huh. Like though, that's the type of young players that really were solid for their teams, like the past couple of years that were picked right During after the all of the Bruins. Yeah. yeah, that were picked all after the Bruins picks. And when, so when you miss, when you whiff on a draft like that, when you have a golden opportunity to to really get your system with some good young players, put them into your system, put them in you know the uh, your minor uh, your minor league system. You know what I mean, like the AHL, your Providence Bruins, and you give them a chance to 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 really develop you're going to get you're going to get that that extra jolt that even when your core players are getting older you might have that young group that comes in and and really pushes you to another level the bruins never did that don sweeney never did that they never had a a really solid draft since mcavoy other than maybe drafting mcavoy that you can point to and say, now you have these young guys coming in that can p- take the torch, right? right? Like when we talk about the Celtics and you had Pierce, Garnett, all those players, right? And then you trade them. You have all these picks at your, at your, um, in your treasure chest. Danny Ainge on the ones that mattered, killed it. He got he got Tatum, he got Brown, right? He got Smart. Uh, in that in that area, he obviously not from that from that trade, but like in that in that time period, he got all those players, and those are the key players that passed the that got the t- torch passed on, so that the Celtics could continue to to make waves in the postseason. Now, twelve years later, that hasn't happened for the Bruins, Max. They don't have a a, dro- a drove of young players that can come in and and really make a difference. 
um, and say, okay, in 2022, this guy's coming up and you know he's a stud. Or we've seen flashes of this guy. If you got more minutes because someone's going to retire or someone's getting hurt, or you could put him on the third line. Well, that's when when you change management. That's when you change management. And that's what didn't happen. They're not running your franchise. If they're not running your franchise. But it's hard because, again, these guys are so vested in with the owners. Again, they got money ties. They got all this stuff. It is hard to get rid of Of a GM. Oh, especially in Boston. And in Boston, the ownership, just whoever they feel is like getting them the money that they can the owners i mean they keep right like don sweeney it, it feels like they've now firing Bra- um, bruce cassidy it feels like the ownership is saying we're taking don sweeney's side he's staying here for a long time and that scares me because the coach wasn't the problem in any of these years right he the, he and it's funny because everyone notices it too max they asked in the media uh, the exit interview after they fired um bruce cassidy don sweeney had a had a presser one of the guys asked him why did bruce lose your job and not you and cam neely the president will a new voice matter if you're still picking the players yo max (laughs) have you ever seen them have you ever seen the media go that hard on someone that's pretty brutal that's That's pretty pretty brutal brutal. that's pretty brutal so when you're getting when the media is normally kind of on your ass about like or meaning like, you know, they're kind of kissing up to you most of the time when you're playing well too, right? When they're they're saying questions like that, you know something is bad. You know they hate this decision. Um, yeah. And it just seems like the wrong decision in the moment. It feels like even as time passes, it's going to continue to be the wrong decision because Bruce Cassidy is going to get a, a hell of a good gig sometime soon. Who knows when, but he's going to get a good gig. And I th- I really think he's going to own it. If he gets a team of players that is on the cusp, like say Edmonton, who who was on the cusp this year and had has some stud players in Drysaddle and McDavid, and you know what I mean, like if he if he can kind of put that, like you know, I'm gonna be on you all the time, I'm gonna be honest with you type of mentality into them, like that could really bode well. They could make a final here or two, and you know that could be that could be crazy. The fact that he's not doing it here just because the players that are here aren't up to par with how a championship team should be run, right? When we talk about young players and a young core and you have players aging out, it just feels like everything was butchered. And that's all starts with how the management was continued to give more opinions and more and, and more power to make those choices instead of, you know, cleaning house on them. So that's my little rant, Max. It's uh it's a tough situation with the Bruins. I I am feeling horrendous going into next season, considering we have players injured. You don't have a coach right now, and you don't know what you're going to get from a new coach. And Patrice Bergeron is considering retiring. You don't know about that decision. It, it feels like the, the Bruins could start off to a really rocky start. Like when we say rocky, we've had rocky starts before. Like this could be really bad, Max. This could be lower level bad. Yeah, yeah, but Trey, all I'm going to tell you is I'm going to say wait, wait for the season. Let's see what happens. You know, again, we're hearing reports now that it's getting closer to the season about the Patriots. So mm-hmm. there's always time to turn it around. But yeah, That's you, don't, you don't, you don't like to see that, uh, and you don't like to see your coach who, if you were happy with him, you hate to see, hate to see that go, especially such a key piece. Yeah, uh, but you know, it's it's management, man. You can't you can't can't fight the power. All right. <laughs> Well, that uh, just about does it for us today, folks. Uh, we have had another exciting episode. Thank you for being here with us. Uh, I, you are listening to another episode of Amateur Hour, a professional sports podcast by people who have never played professional sports. I'm your host, Max, along with... Stress. And we will see you next time. Peace.